Not winning 90% of your new business because you have some sort of incredible value. I'm going to take a bit of a different angle. You know, I've got a budget this big. I'm going to give it to you because you have a, a really killer plan. You give a Red Bull to a turtle, what do you expect? <laughs> I think that's a dead turtle. <laughs> so let's move on to... Uh, e break. Cheers. 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 Does your current premium finance company lock you into long-term agreements? That's because they don't want you talking to us. At IFS, we win your business the good old-fashioned way, with customer service. I know you don't always have to use a premium finance company, but when you do, you should use IFS. Cheers. Hi there, and welcome to another episode of the Digital Insurance Point Podcast. I'm your host, Tom Reed, and as always, I'm joined by my colleagues, Steve Earle from Chief Insurance. Hello. Where, just out of interest, where are you? I'm actually recording from the uh, Lakeshore Marina and Chalets on beautiful Healy Lake, who have allowed me to come down the lake and use their internet because I have none. So <laughs> it's a beautiful place, and you should uh, book a cottage anytime. And uh, I've got Jeff Roy, CEO of Excalibur Insurance. Hey, Jeff. Good to see you, Tom. Taylor, and obviously Steve. Adam is on vacation with his family, so um, Adam's not with us today, but he's here in spirit. And uh, we're very pleased to welcome back Taylor Rhodes, CEO of Applied. Taylor, how's it going? I'm good, guys. Thank you for having me back. It was like two yeah. plus years ago, and um, I thought I pissed you off for a while because it's been so long since you asked me to come back. <laughs> well, we're, st we're, st we're still getting over the, uh, the impact of your first episode. It took us a little while to get <laughs> over that, but... Uh, We'll get into it. one of our topics that we talk about on a you know, very regular basis is connectivity and obviously applied being such an important vendor for brokers in Canada has a significant role to play on that. So can you give us an update, you know, 2022, where are, where are we in connectivity from your perspective in Canada? Can you, can you talk about some of the things, some of the APIs that you guys may have implemented and, and how are you feeling about that? Last time I was here, I think I teed up that you know I was brand new to Applied. I was less than a year in. And I said, we got two big jobs. The first is a cultural transformation at Applied. And the second was we have a major technology and product transformation to do. And so I thought I would just start, if it's okay, before I get to the connectivity element, just maybe updating you guys on those two things because connectivity is sort of part of the, the, the product and technology. Um, on the culture front, you know, last time we were honest with each other and we said, hey, you know, Applied's kind of built this market-leading position. It's a 35-year-old software company. Does it still care, right? Or is it sent back collecting rent and collecting profit and, and increasing EBITDA margins? And um, I talked about the fact that the board chose me from outside the industry for more of a tech background to kind of come in and look at things with a fresh eye and, and, and understand where we could spend more money to really innovate. But I also said it starts with the team, right? It starts with, with having the right people who want to change an industry and so what I've been on for the last three plus years now has been this mission to churn, change applied. We always had a lot of really smart people who understood the intersection of insurance and tech, but we needed to become more humble. We needed to become more engaging with the industry and more open to feedback, more open to getting great ideas that were not sourced by us, listening to our customers more, listening to 
you know, people like CSIO and IBAC. Um, and so I, I, went, I set about, you know, kind of focusing on what does the culture need to become here to help us be a more humble and engaging and innovative company. And you might have seen over the last three years, you know, our, our executive team is almost all new. Um, we've got a couple of veterans who are awesome people who really bring us that seasoning of the understanding of insurance. But we've brought in people from across all sorts of different industries who are either focused on, you know, uh, the customer, Trevor Bunker, our Canadian representative on the exec team is our chief customer officer. He really understands how to build a high value customer model, an engagement model, a delivery model, et cetera. We've brought in a CTO who comes from cloud transformations, et cetera, et cetera. And so the first thing is you start with your team and then you you, you drive a culture change. And I'm, I'm really proud of what we've done and applied over that time. And I think it's making a difference in the market. People are seeing a different applied. They're seeing a humble applied. They're seeing applied that actually admits when we do something wrong. They're seeing an applied that's actually working for the betterment of the industry. And we can talk about some of those things in Canada that we're doing. And then the second thing was, man, we got to go modernize our tech. And we've got to build some new great products that people actually really want to buy from us and that substantiate, which we'll get to later, the annual price increase, et cetera. And so I talked about epic transformation last time, right? And epic transformation was really about four things. It was about one, making epic more open and accessible, which is all about the API work that we'll talk about. Um, it was about making epic easier to use, so improving the user experience so it's not as clicky and, and tedious to get workflows done. Um, it was about uh, being able to you know, leverage APIs to make Epic a better behaved part of your tech stack, right? So that, Jeff, I know you do a lot of innovation in your shop and you want a BMS that is open and integratable. Um, we're not going to be your whole tech stack. And so it needs to be a more open, integratable system. So it was about that as well. And last time we talked about this notion of data mules, right? Steve challenged me on, hey, you know, is, is our data our data or is it your data? You know, are you making us data mules? And I said, hey, your data is your data. And you know, we've got a lot of investment behind building what we call the Epic Data Lake, which is built in the Google BigQuery environment that allows real-time access to the broker's data, can be enriched with third-party data as well. Um, and so those are the four big planks of Epic Transformation. And we'll get into all the proof points and what we've delivered and what we've done. Last time I talked about my say-do ratio. It's not perfect, but I think it's pretty high. Uh, but those were the things that we set out, culture transformation and a lot of technology and product transformation. And I'm eager today to kind of get into, okay, so what? You said all those things. What have you done? I, I think it was good, like you brought out the culture part of it, because, you know, a lot of people think tech comes first. But, you know, it's nice to see you're a new age leader and you get that if without culture and the people, you can't deliver the experience and the product. So I personally have seen a huge shift in the culture, the hires you brought into Canada, some of the things you've done. I start every conversation with the company with a simple phrase. When our, when our clients win, we win. Right. When our clients win, we win. So what are we doing to help them win? And so thank you. I appreciate the fact that you've, you're, you're picking up on that change. Maybe, maybe we can jump in here then. Uh, one of the key points you talked about is the, the, the power of four that you, you put about technology and about you know the whole openness. Where are you providing openness and how is like you're rebuilding some APIs on the Epic system to connect? How is the progress going on that? Yeah. Okay. So last time we talked about our partnership with Google, which I said, I think is going to be a competitive advantage for us. And it, it has turned out to be that, right? So we've adopted the Google tech stack to do all of the Epic transformation on. And one of the key elements is we get to leverage Google's Apogee platform, right? Which is just a very industry standard, open 
um, developer, you know, portal that allows us to, you know, create APIs, create API documentation and allow your smart people to access it and use it very quickly to get, you know, new innovations built quite quickly, quite simply. Um, so our first real epic um, API suite has been released into pilot mode for the last several months. There are several Canadian brokers, medium and large, who have been part of the pilot group. We're getting ready to go to general release around Applied Net on that, Steve. But just, you know, look, these are the most high volume areas in Epic, right? So, you know, today you can leverage APIs to access client data, contact information, activity history, policy header, and a whole bunch of other data that before was kind of hard to get to within the system. And our pilot group has been really clever. They've been teaching us use cases. So they're focused on taking that data and we're saying, what are you doing with it, right? Don't just take the data. Tell us what you're doing with it. And they're doing clever things in the front office. So for sales campaigns, marketing campaigns, they're doing clever things with that around employee productivity, right? We've been in the great resignation and a huge labor market shortage. And so a lot of them are focused on how can I tell where my people are being most productive? How can we leverage access to this data to say, here's where you should be spending your time, et cetera. They're using it for insurer relations type use cases as well to say, hey, I want to be better prepared when I have my next conversation with the insurer around my commissions in this line of business, et cetera. So we've delivered you know, quite a bit of the new um, API suite. We'll be talking a lot more about it at, uh, at AppliedNet. But again, remember, it's all built in Google Apogee. It's all open. It's very industry standard. So anybody in, who has an agency that is invested in technology capabilities should be able to access and easily leverage our APIs to pull things out of Epic. And we just continue that expansion, right? We will be rolling out more and more of the APIs to different areas of Epic, you know, on an ongoing basis for the next several years. So that's that's great, and it strikes me that, and correct me if I'm wrong, this is allowing new ways to access the data that brokers have put into Epic, right? So it's it's about accessing the data, doing something unique, new, interesting with it. Um, yeah. What about what about APIs where you're connecting to a carrier for underwriting, pricing, claims? inquiries, et cetera, et cetera. Where, where, where have you guys, what have you guys done in the last couple of years in that space? So, you know, I think for a long time in the Canadian market, Applied has <clears throat> really been the leader in personal lines quoting, right? So we've seen a huge growth in real-time quoting there. Over 200 million Canadian consumers received quotes via Applied in the personal line space in 2021. And of those 70%, almost 70%, came directly from the carrier APIs, right? Directly from the carrier quoting system. And so we've got quite a large API carrier connectivity capability on personal lines. I personally think the future is doing the same thing for small commercial lines, right? That's about 80% of the commercial lines market in Canada. Um, so we want to skate where the puck is going. As you guys know, a lot of agencies that were just PL before are moving into commercial lines for growth, you might have been a PNC shop that had both commercial lines and personal, but now you're moving into benefits for growth. And so what we're really focused on right now is leveraging all of that API capability internally for our development teams to make Epic a single platform for, for personal lines, commercial lines, and benefits. And we see a lot of draw and demand signal in the market for that. If I can have a single platform to run that business, that's better than having multiple tools and trying to reconcile accounting and commissions and everything else out of those multiple tools. But back to connectivity, um, we have, you know, Steve, you mentioned William Ma. We hired William to lead our product organization in Canada a little over a year ago. William came from Wawanisa. He led all of their digital initiatives there. William really deeply understands 
the pain that brokers and carriers feel in not interacting with each other digitally around small commercial. So we have a project going on in Canada now called Project Mustang, which is all about connecting all the way from the ability to do a submission, to receive a quote back, to bind, et cetera. We've recently announced that you know, Northbridge and Wawanisa and Edge and six, you know, three others are signed up to work with us on that. That's all API driven. It's all direct connectivity via APIs to those carriers. And we've got a handful called six or seven other major carriers or insurers in Canada that we're in the process of signing up. So I think the future is doing what Personal Lines has already done, which is becoming e-traded. As you guys know, that takes the cost out. It makes it a more profitable line of business for you all. It allows you to serve your end insureds better. So lots of our focus right now is around on the personal line side, it's making ARS a better user experience, a more modern and more integrated workflow with Epic as the BMS. On commercial lines, William is leading the charge on Project Mustang, which is all about small commercial, uh, full digital round trip via APIs. So... Taylor, you know, you're you're talking earlier about uh, about connectivity and that you know there's not really enough push from a carrier perspective. You know, on mass, we we know that there are some carriers like the Wawa Uses, the Echoes, the SGIs, who are you know heavily investing, heavily heavily pushing connectivity, which is fantastic. And then there's you know quite a few who aren't. Um, where where do you see you know and you know IBAC, the other associations, CFIO to a certain extent are pushing connectivity. Um, but where do you see the role of the vendor and specifically applied in that in that whole equation? Yeah, look, uh, it's a great question, Tom. We, we are working really hard on this, um, both in the U.S. and Canada. And I think the role is, you know, if you look at our market share of the brokers who use um, our software, you know, the, the carriers, uh, the insurers, pardon me, um, should see us as a key partner in helping them reach their distribution partners more efficiently, Right. They should say, hey, Applied, you know, you've got X percent of the market in Canada. Um, and if we work with you and your broker customers on uh, connectivity solutions, it would be better for everybody. Right. We all know that it would be lower cost, faster cycle times, better end client insured. Brokers would be able to be more competitive and sell more insurance and renew more insurance. And so everybody sort of stares at each other across this divide and says, we know it's good, um, but it's not our top priority. And in the States, I'm very deeply involved in this with a lot of the big insurers here. And we put together, you know, this sort of coalition of medium and large size brokers who are willing to come to us, come with us to the carriers to say, guys, in these lines of business, here's, I want to E-Trade with you, right? This is my, this is my prerogative. Um, and this is, you know, the brokers are getting bigger. So the power in the market has shifted, you know, notably to the broker side of the house. And these brokers are willing to say enough is enough already, right? We've built the connectivity. It's not a technology um, scarcity problem. It's simply a, are we going to make this priority? Are we going to start to E-Trade together? And, and I think that's the role that Applied needs to play. First of all, we're investing heavily in the connectivity solutions so we can actually say, hey, it works, right? Here's five customers who are using it today. Ask them about their productivity. Ask them about their renewal rate since they started doing this, et cetera. So I think what we have to do is we have to assemble the army of the willing and our job is to probably broker that conversation between our broker clients and the insurers and try to create some critical mass. And that's where we're spending a lot of our time. And, and by the way, we're also trying to be good citizens of the industry. Our small commercial solution, Project Mustang I talked about, is built completely with strict adherence to the CSIO data standards for commercial lines. Right? We have level one done. We have level two done. Level three will happen this fall. 
And we're not everybody's doing that, but we are. Um, and we're doing it because we believe that that's an important part of getting this full digital round trip of insurance to take root. You need kudos for that. Stick to the standards. Stick to the standards because if the standards aren't standard, nothing is going to work, Taylor. You know that. 100%. In the U.S., though, people don't seem to have the adherence to the standards the way that Canada does, right? No, I think it's correct, Jeff. I think people tend to do a lot more sort of custom forms and custom questions on the carrier, on the insurer side in the U.S., et cetera. That doesn't seem to be as much of a concern in the U.S. market, although I think it should be, to be honest with you. Um, I think in the Canadian market, you guys have it right, and we should be really working toward that industry standard because then things can happen fast. And frankly, more competition can happen, which is good for the market. You mentioned market share. I would I would suggest to you that your market share is not the number of brokers that you have. It's the market share that brokers have of the market share of insurance in Canada. And so I'm going down a road here. How do you measure yourself insofar as success? What are the metrics that you use? Is it when you're comparing yourself to a Vertifor, an Acturus, even a power broker, is it, can you come in and say, you know what, Steve, on Epic versus Tam or on Epic versus this, on Epic versus that, your people can handle more customers and more policies more efficiently because we have this data to show it. Do you have that data? You're a big data company. Do, do you measure yourself against that, either market share or how we can handle our business? Hey, loyal listeners, when you hear me say CAS certified, that means that we use them in our agency. Are you a local insurance agent looking to take your business to the next level? Write more business and see your agency succeed with NBS aka Nationwide Brokerage Solutions, but like in today's world, we use these initials like it's cool, because it is, and it's hip. At Nationwide Brokerage Solutions, they offer the challenges local agents face in the constantly changing market. That's why they offer a wide array of personal and commercial markets and policy options to help you meet the needs of your customers, no matter how unique they may be. With a team of experienced and dedicated professionals that provide you with the support and the guidance you need to see your agency succeed, Nationwide Brokerage Solutions is here to support you every step of the way. Don't you survive in the competitive insurance industry? Thrive with Nationwide Brokerage Solutions today. Get started today and learn more at mbsbrokerage.com. That's where you learn more, mbsbrokerage.com. Cast certified. So we, we measure very carefully how our brokers grow revenue versus the cost they pay for applied technologies. And we do this with in partnership with third parties, in partnership directly with the brokers. And what we want to see and we want to be able to prove in a conversation, especially as the annual price increase comes around, we want to be able to say, hey, hey, Steve, I just had this conversation today with an agency here in the U.S., Hey, Taylor, you know what? We're getting big with you guys. Um, we feel like we need to have you know some more scale on pricing as we grow, et cetera. And I said, hey, look, I want to give you an incentive to grow. But hey, you know what? What you pay for all of the applied technologies and services that you consume is less than 1.2% of your overall revenue. And so if that's a metric that is allowing you to continue to grow and spread that line between revenue and EBITDA, I view that as a value statement, right? I view that as a value statement. Now, 
Is it the only thing that contributes to that? No. But think about the technology and the things we enable people to do with technology. They should be making their people more productive over time. They should be able to manage more business, more policies, enforce, et cetera. So I really look at how is your revenue growing in relation to your applied spend? Then look, we pay a lot of attention to, we do a lot of primary product research where we sit down um, with clients who are using things like applied marketing automation. And we say, hey, what's happened in your sales funnel since you started using applied marketing automation? Are you managing more campaigns? Are you convert, creating more opportunities? Are you converting more of those opportunities to actual leads because the quality of the campaign you're running with the content we provide you, et cetera, is helping you to be more effective on that spend? So we do a lot of that. And then also, look, we're an NPS shop, right? Net Promoter System. And we do a lot of listening through the Net Promoter um, System as well. We get a lot of great feedback on what's working, what's not working. One thing I'll tell you that we've invested in a lot. I mentioned Trevor Bunker, who's our Canadian on the exec team. Um, Trevor's our chief customer officer. And before Trevor got here, we didn't really have a customer success capability. And customer success is all about teaching you how to get world-class or best-in-class results out of the software spend that you get. It's about not just building a piece of software and chucking it over the wall. It's, hey, am I getting the right results? Am I using it the right way? So we have the ability to monitor inside a lot of our newer products, who's using, how are they using, what results are they getting? And then we can come alongside people and say, hey, you're not using this the right way. Or, hey, we developed this feature and you haven't adopted it yet. It would make you a lot more you know, proficient and efficient here. And so we do, it, uh, we do a lot of those things, Steve. I hope that answers your question. So does that's kind of a segue then uh, with the new browser-based version of Epic, is there a way in the new users coming on board? Because one of the questions I'm going to ask you afterwards is, you know, TAM is going away in, tw- I'm hearing in 2025, and there's going to be the great set of the great migration of the people that are left, which isn't really a high number in Canada. I'm hearing 10 or 15% are left on TAM. Everybody's on Epic, uh, but they're going to do the migration over there. Are they going to be using a, a version instead of ma- customizing everything and having all this unstructured data that doesn't go into the lake property, can't get the proper insights and can't actually make their data monetizable, they'll be put, put into something where it's more structured and rigid, but it'll allow them to get to a, lo- a lot better spot quickly to share and aggregate that data. Is that kind of where things are going with the new browser-based and with your, your overall plans? What we've done in the data lake is we have transferred all the data over to the data lake, which is Google BigQuery's environment. And we've built and are building more on top of what are called business views, which allows us to organize that data in logical ways for the most popular use cases. Those could be sales and marketing use cases, productivity use cases, operational use cases. And so for current folks who are on Epic who still have this problem of a lot of custom data, we're moving over and we're putting it behind business views, which helps structure it better and make it more usable. The future path is to replace the way that data gets into Epic with this policy data capture, again, built on Indio Technologies in the browser, Jeff, and I'm glad you mentioned the browser version. And so that is work in progress. But Canada is actually, we, we piloted the pilot or the uh, policy data capture with our employee benefits business um, in the U.S. I mentioned we're, we've made Epic now a platform that can handle PNC and benefits business. Why did we pilot it in benefits? Because that was a new business for us. It was a kind of a white sheet of paper. The next target is actually replacing custom forms in Canada because that's a mess and it's a big pain point for our customers. And we hear it all the time and we know it's a pain. And so the next agenda item is actually starting this fall to start to work on using PDC to replace the custom forms, make it the standard front end for how data gets into Epic, et cetera. Okay. Um, And then that allows everything, just like in Indio today, everything is a data object. 
which means it is standardized. It is reportable. It's structured. You can report on it much more easily. You can get value out of it, et cetera. So everything in PDC will be built on the Indio model where everything is a data object and structured from the get-go, et cetera, and consistent, right? And so that is the, the future path. And we're starting to actually put in Canada, you know, right in the front of the train for, you know, rollout of, of replacement of custom forms up there. Taylor, you know, after being a 31-year TAM user, I hear the sun setting on it and reports out in the industry that there's an announcement that it'll be gone by 2025. Is this correct? And if it is not, if and again, by sunsetting it, what kind of advantages will give applied in terms of development by not having multiple different systems to support? Yeah, Jeff, look, TAM is a, a venerable system that's been around a long time, um, and we wouldn't sunset it unless we had to, okay? And here's why we have to. Two reasons. One, it has really old Microsoft technology in it, and I'm not blaming Microsoft, but Microsoft is actually end-of-lifing some of the key technology elements in it that make it run, Visual Basic 6, um, R- RPA, et cetera. And the, they're going to sense it these 25, 20, 26, something like that. You know, there's not a hard, hard date yet, but they've basically made it clear it's coming, um, which means it's our obligation to start to talk to our clients in the market and make sure you guys get ready. Um, so that's one reason we have to sunset it. The other is, frankly, just you can't reach escape velocity on innovation when you have to do everything two times um, in old technology, right? And so for us to be able to make Epic and all of our other solutions great, like we've just been talking about, you can't have teams that have to go divide and conquer. And by the way, developing an app in TAM is five times as hard because it's old technology. You can't even find people anymore who want to sign up to develop in TAM, right? So there's just a practicality. This is not a, hey, we're trying to screw anybody. This isn't a, we don't care about our clients. It's just a practicality. Things like cybersecurity, right? TAM's fine, but it's over time, it becomes more vulnerable. Bad guys always find new ways to exploit old things, Right. So there's lots of reasons to want to move to Epic and, and need to move to Epic. So what are we doing about it? Number one, we're trying to make Epic and the capabilities in Epic killer so that when TAM users look at it, they're like, wow, okay, I should move anyway, regardless. The second thing is Trevor's team, our chief customer officer's team, is really investing in technology to make data migrations much simpler than they were in the past so that that journey from migrating from TAM to Epic is much less painful, much less time-consuming. And then third, technologies like Pendo that I talked about before that are in-app training make the adoption and the user education less burdensome as well. So we know this is a problem, right? For a lot of TAM agencies, they're like, gosh, this is like having heart surgery, right? I'm running a brokerage. I'm not here to go do a big migration. But we are investing in a lot of help. We're also going to put financial incentives on the table, help people not have a paywall in front of them for getting to Epic, and et cetera. So we're taking this very, very seriously. 2025 is not a carved in stone date. It's a, hey, we're advising you to get ready for your epic um, migration. At AppliedNet, we're going to say, hey, we want you to reserve a slot in 2023 or 2024. We'll be flexible on when that slot is. We'll give you lots of help. We'll work with you on the financials. But let's start planning it now because if you wait too long and then you have your back against the wall and Microsoft really does EOL, something that's critical in TAM, it's going to be, we're going to be hard pressed to help you. So we're trying to be proactive on this. We don't want to scare anybody. Um, we know that, you know, we need to be great partners on this thing. And so you're going to feel a very, very strong handshake from applied on helping people get to the right place.
Now, I'm just curious how the browser base, like, you know, for me looking at it, hey, if people can use a browser base and it's kind of like a Salesforce type interaction where you log in and maybe you don't necessarily need a terminal server, you know, it gives you, it can really cut down your costs. Uh, how is that uh, browser coming along? Like, where is it at? What's What's been done in the last year and a half since we chatted? That's been a huge part of Epic Transformation. So we have now completely replicated all of the capabilities from the old rich internet client, the RIC, um, which is where all of the logic in old Epic resided. And so now all of those workflows and capabilities are fully at parity within within the Epic browser. Why is the browser better? You mentioned it's lower cost to support, right? Um, it is so much easier to accept an Epic upgrade in without, you know, the brick you used to have to go to each thick client terminal and test it and turn it back on and all of that. Um, it's better for brokerages that are acquisitive and doing M&A. You can simply take your new agency and point it to a URL and, you know, voila, they're on, right, versus the old heavy implementation. So everything that used to work in RIC works in, in Epic Browser now. And now what we're doing, and we'll, we'll launch the first five of our you know new and improved workflows, the heavy volume workflows at AppliedNet. Now our UX team has been redesigning all the screens or, or a lot of the heavy usage screens to make them simpler, less clicky, get a whole workflow done in one screen, enriched with third-party data so you have to do less re- data reeking, et cetera. So there's a lot of you know sort of carrots for our broker clients in the, the browser um, and a lot of good reasons to migrate to the browser. And it's ready. It's ready for people to migrate. So um, that's been a big part of our lift and it's going to be lower cost. It's going to be easier to train on. It's going to be easier to work in. And it's going to be better if you're an M&A oriented shop. Taylor, I just want to get an update. I know that there's going to be a big transformation on PolicyWorks. It was kind of built on an older, archaic system. I, I would say lipstick on a pig. There's a few questions from Cezio kind of thrown into it to make it maybe make some stuff flow better. And you have mentioned uh, Mustang Sally or the Mustang project that's going on. Uh, is what's kind of give our, our listeners an update of where commercials going in Canada on the Apply platform? Yeah, so thanks for asking about PolicyWorks. Look, it was an important capability for us to acquire there, but it was it's old stuff, right? Um, so Project Mustang does encompass the modernization and the integration of the PolicyWork capabilities straight into Epic. So, you know, in the not too distant future, you'll be working straight in Epic without having to work in PolicyWorks. The capabilities and logic for commercial lines quoting and sub- submissions and quoting will be right in Epic. Um, it'll be a modern look and feel. It'll be fully integrated. This is Project Mustang, right? It's bringing in policy work straight into Epic, and then it's leveraging API connectivity to the carriers for digital submissions and quote returns. Uh, and that is that is absolutely right in the scope for what William Ma and his team are working on and making good progress on. That's why, again, we've seen six of the, the carriers sign up so far and several others getting ready to sign up. And again, remember, built 100% in adherence with CSIO data standards for commercial lines. Um, so that is one of our that is our largest priority in the Canadian market right now. So give me your your say do timeline roughly, Taylor. Not holding you anything, but you know William and the team just released. They hit their marks on release in phase one of Project Mustang. Um, they commit to hitting phase two of Project Mustang by the end of this year, um, and then it'll roll into early next year. But that team is really executing, Steve. So I would say by you know. End of Q1 of 2023, um, there will be a lot of advancements made on the product integration as well as the look and feel. It won't be all the way done yet, but you'll see material differences here in the next, call it three quarters.
Last question, and we talked about just earlier about the PDC and about using Indio to capture all the uh, all the uh, free flowing forms and all the data, so it's structured. Uh, is that are, you, are we still going to be required to purchase an Indio license, or is that now embedded and users get that as part of it? Because you're kind of using the front end of it, uh, or is that all being packaged in the Epic product in the future? How's that? How does that look? The Indio capabilities today, which is really that mid-market and specialty commercial risk, right? That is a separate product. It's a workflow product that creates a lot of productivity for brokers. It creates a better client experience. That product is a module that will continue to be charged for. But leveraging the Indio capabilities as the front-end policy data capture for Epic will just be embedded in Epic. That's how we. That's one of the ways we make Epic better over time. That's that's one of the things you pay for in the annual price increase. Since our last conversation, is your say do ratio where you want it to be? And give us your summary. Yeah. Hey, look, I'm a hard grader on myself. I always have been. I picked up the the phrase say do ratio in the Marine Corps. I'll never forget. There was a first sergeant Jackson who said, "Hey, sir, your credibility is all about your say do ratio. Right? You can talk a lot of bullshit, or you can actually do things." And so that's where that phrase came from. And it really was seared into my brain in my time in the Marines. Um, but look, I, I, look, I keep a scorecard on myself and I give myself a B plus, A minus right now. Um, uh, we said that we were going to transform the culture. I believe we are really far down that path. Applied people are excited about the mission we're on. Um, we have attracted a lot of great new talents. We have really opened up our thinking about technology and product and client relationships and investing in things like customer success. We said we were going to do epic transformation. And I sit here today, you know, two and a half years into that project, the browser is fully available. The first suite of APIs are released. The data lake is structured and we have a very good large number of pilot customers who are in there using it and giving good feedback on it. Um, You know, we said that we were going to become more involved in the market and, and trying to use our size to help the market become better. You know, William up in Canada, great example there, right? He's deeply engaged in CSIO and IBAC. And, and he was the one who came in and he said, hey, if we actually want to matter in this market, we've got to go be involved in this market. And we've got to be listening and driving standards, et cetera. So there's more to do for sure. We're on a journey. I'm not claiming victory, but I think the things that I hoped we could accomplish in my first three years here, we're on the path. Is retention important to your brokerage? Of course it is. That's why at IFS, we have a cancellation prevention process. Want more details? Give us a call. I know you don't always use a premium finance company, but when you do, you should use IFS. Cheers. Hello, loyal listeners. Hey, are you a local agent struggling to find markets for your client? Maybe you, maybe not. Look no further than Nation Brokerage Solutions. With over 200 carriers, their comprehensive options give you what you need for your customers' ever-changing needs. With NBS, as they say it in the cool world, you can confidently offer a wide range of options to better support your customers and grow your business, A.K. agency. Don't settle for less. Do more with NBS. For more information about Nationwide Brokerage Solutions, visit nbsbrokerage.com. Cast Certified.